Ladies and gentlemen, it's week two of House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spin-off prequel series, and we are here on Raven On, the Game of Thrones-inspired podcast that is back to review, recap, and rate House of the Dragon. I keep saying words, but I'm not really getting anywhere with this intro, so let me introduce myself. I am Natalie, host of Raven On, and with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, a man who for some inexplicable reason has been put off his plans to have a big shellfish notch up at the weekend. It's Stuart Late! Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yeah, that's a, it's a, takes the idea of an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet to a whole new level. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think about that. I cannot believe I didn't think about that. It certainly was getting an interesting look at our villain for the series, possible villain, one of the villains. It was yeah, a... I'm interested to see how big a role Crabfeeder ends up playing, actually, um, because, yeah, I mean, like, it's a thing. Um, again, <laughs> yeah, for, for, those, for those who don't know, I, I, I know the broad shape of this because I've read the books Oh, um, right. Whereas so you haven't, to... and so oh. I'm, I'm, I don't know how they've split everything up. Like this is obviously only season one of what will obviously be a multi-season show. So I don't know how big. Oh, we should talk about that too. Uh, yeah, Crab Feeder is going to be for this season. Um, it seems like they're setting him up as as a major villain, which, which makes sense in a way. But yeah, he's certainly he's certainly unique. We got a good look at him at the end there, and he's a very strange looking character. Um, I think that was grayscale that he's got, I think like he like was that weird skin. A mask. He, he does have he does mask. have a mask, but then all over his shoulders he's got this like weird skin condition. So hey, yeah, it's interesting. Hey, Stu, look, just because the buddy's got a bit of eczema or psoriasis doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't make him a bad guy. You know, life is sure? tough in the stepstones. You don't necessarily have access to the proper emollients and unctions that you need uh, for for skin conditions. All that right? harsh sea air can be very uh, can very be very bad on the skin. That's you need to right. moisturize. There's a reason why they call it rubbing salt into the wound. <laughs> Although it's interesting that uh, game of the, the hot hot D seems to be going down the James Bond route of having someone with you know a horrible physical deformity be, being their villain. I I am so mixed on that because that I mean let's get into the controversy right away. But and look, fair call people who do have differences of appearance or uh, you know disabilities do often get their back up about being villainous. I understand. I had incredibly bad um, acne as a teenager. It is not comparable but just talking about skin conditions and you yes. are treated you are treated differently and that was just me I you know I had really bad acne on my face and little kids I was working as a checkout chick at Coles and little kids would go mum what's wrong with her face like <laughs> you know it and, and I'm, I'm just saying from my very limited experience of having really bad acne I can totally understand people with you know much more pronounced physical differences how yes. how horrible it must feel to to, to you know, to be judged on your appearance. So I'm, I'm trying to come from a place of empathy. On the, on the other hand, villains who have like weird shit going on with them are kind of interesting and cool. <laughs> Well, like, they're visually, they're know, visually interesting, and certainly the crab feeder is visually interesting. You that's right. They're, they're visually interesting. They're sort of leaning into their their thing. You know, Dr. No. <laughs> branding. <laughs> yeah, Dr. No was a nuclear scientist, and he lost his arms because of all the nuclear, you know, exposure and contamination. And then he's got these sort of replica robot arms. That's kind of cool. It's not, to me, I think a lot of these things are, you know, just sort of going, oh, they're sort of, 
they've become again this is probably the reason why but they you know something's happened to them that sort of you know they've they've been in an accident where their face has been permanently scarred and it's you know so um, again I'm not trying <laughs> I'm just going to get cancelled straight up <laughs> I understand where people come from when they say that you know villains have disabilities and it's you know it's not very um, fun to to be on the receiving end of that but what I am saying is hey lean into it guys. <laughs> Make it part of your brand. Just make it part of your brand. Uh, just lean in and go, yeah, I'm an evil villain because I got fucked over by, like, it, it, it could happen to any of us. Like, horrible disfigurement and whatever could happen to any of us. I'm saying we need a new generation of evil villains. You can be it. <laughs> and then, conversely, we need more good guys with, you know, like Jamie Lannister had a hand chopped off and became, you know, kind of a good guy with it. If anything, if anything, his, you know, disability became his superpower until he, you know, forgot about all of his personal growth and change and just (laughs) went back to his sister. So maybe don't use that as an example. Some sort of weird shorthand. But if you're going to be called the crab feeder, you know, there's got to be a reason. Like a guy Well, well, again, it's all about branding, you know, like he's definitely, he's, he's, he's leaned heavily into that brand. A guy wearing a, a, a tuxedo, you know, smoking a pipe is not the kind of guy you're going to call crab feeder. <laughs> you know, you want a guy who's like down in the sand and he's wearing a mask and he's maybe not talking in complete sentences. He's sort of yes. raspy voiced. You know, that's who you want for your crab feeder. One so hand like gross. significantly bigger than the other, possibly a claw, you yeah. know, good stuff. Maybe, good stuff. Maybe, maybe dragging a shell along with him that he lives in. Yes. You know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Singing about how life is better under the sea, uh, that, that would also be good. I, I don't know if you saw in my recap, I, but I that did, was yes. like yeah. the <laughs> first thing I had was a, was a, uh, a GIF, GIF of uh, Sebastian. Because uh, yes. <laughs> now I just want a voice crab feeder in, in the Jamaican voice, like, hey, I'm crab feeder. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's, the, there's the chance he's going to have one of those nebulously foreign accents. So, I mean, you could still get yes. your wish. Yeah, the, uh, the the free cities who are kind of, are they, you know, Mediterranean? Are they Middle Eastern? Are they Eastern European Slavic? It's all, a, you know, delightful. Yeah, it's you just know, a giant melting there. pot over there. Giant melting pot w- over Westeros there. Is, Westeros is England. And then well, uh, right, Dawn is a little bit Spain, uh, you know, a little bit of that. I, and then if yeah, anyone think- from ESOS just talks like this, they talk like the, <laughs> a real weird uh, sort of generic I, foreign person. I think Westeros is, is more like Europe, Western Europe, sort of condensed into one island. Sure. So very yeah. much, you know, England, but, you know, the north you could sort of say is northern England, Scotland. You know, you could say, yeah, Spain is um, Dawn. You could say High, High Garden or the, the Reach is kind of France because it's all sexy vines and winemaking. So there's, a, <laughs> there's a little bit of Western Europe in yes, Westeros. that's true. And then the further east you go, the, the more nebulous it is. And then the Dothraki, I guess, the Mongols. Genghis Khan style. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that's obviously what they're based on. But yeah. But... yeah. Um, anyway, back to this episode. Um, episode two. Are we one quarter? No, one eighth. Can you one, believe? Yeah, I yeah. We're, do... we're up to episode two already. <laughs> one fifth. One fifth of the way. One, no, one, one tenth. Two I fifth, d- please don't ask tenth. me to do maths. Oh, my God. How can I not do basic fractions? <laughs> <laughs> we are two tenths of the way through, which I think means one fifth. 
All right. I think, I, that's I think it's, it's, one, it's, it's, it's one fifth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one fifth of the way through already. That's crazy. It's a world no, That took far too work. long to nut that out. That's crazy. <laughs> well, we should do Raven on Maths podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know what happened after episode one, because I watched the episode so many times, recapped, and, you know, thank you to everyone who's been getting involved with the comments. We've been chatting mm. to people on Twitter. People have been commenting. It's been great. And so it almost felt like it was a one and done. It had this weird thing of where I yeah. I, I one day had this feeling of being like, oh, this was such a great week. Oh, I'm so sad that it's over. And then I was like, hang on a second. We've got another nine weeks, baby. We've got nine more weeks of this. So it was lovely to kind of go, oh, that was just the first spark. So... I think, you know, episode two, you were telling me, I haven't read any other reviews or recaps yet, but Stu, you're disloyal to the original Raven on recap. <laughs> uh, no, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I'm, that. I'm a, typical, I'm a typical Damon figure. I'll go wherever I want. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I was going to turn that around and say, actually, what you're doing is reading the competition just so you can boost my ego and say that the Raven on recaps are still, you know, the best. <laughs> hey, I, I, I already say unprompted that you are one of the best out there now. <laughs> Honestly, like oh. without going saying- into too much detail, your your recaps no, are no, very I funny mean- and very good. <laughs> just, you know, blow some more smoke up there, Stu. Come on, let's yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah. I had a colonoscopy this week. It's all about the bottom area. <laughs> <laughs> just getting too real for everyone. Um, but seriously, bowel health, it's important. Do it. Family mm. risk of bowel cancer on my side. Get those things checked out. <laughs> Um, but you said that uh, a few people have been saying, oh, this was a boring episode. Well, I've definitely seen people say, like, obviously, last episode really started things off with a bang. There was violence, there was there was sexy times, there was lots of intrigue, and, and we met all these brand new characters. And then this episode seems to have the episode two problem where, and here we are, the, the, all the characters are here where we're seeing them go about their business and there was less sexy times and less, uh, mm. thankfully, given the ages of some of the characters involved, yeah. which we'll talk about, <laughs> and, and there was less uh, sort of violence. There was certainly implied violence, which is why I think, I, I really like this episode. And I think it's it, it shows that the show is willing to take its time to, to mm. tell the story that it wants to tell. But I can understand why a lot of people did, but but for that same reason, I do think, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, I just don't know these characters as well. It's like you you had 10 years and eight seasons to get to know the characters yes, on Game yes. of Thrones. You've had two weeks to, to get to know <laughs> these characters. Like, give it time. Yeah, it, it and, also, and also nobody knew who everyone was in the first series no. of Game of Thrones because there were so many people. That's and right. Com- and people, you know- people have said that, like, you know, obviously there were standouts, like Tyrion leapt off the screen, like, straight away and a couple of other, like, obviously Jon Snow, you know, was, was yeah. quite... I mean, compelling is the wrong word, but but like you know, there was something no, that no, you needed no, to sort of watch him. It's uh, the right words, yeah. It's the right. It is. Word. It is. You know, and and obviously, like Ned Stark was the huge focus, quite deliberately. Uh, mm. You know, it, he was sort of set up as the hero character and all that sort of thing, only to be cruelly taken away from us far too soon. But there were characters that leapt off the screen, and episode one ended with Jamie pushing Bran out of a window. Mm. And episode two was the fallout from that, whereas this is a bit different. It's more, uh, I've seen people refer, like, like we, we talked in episode one, people sort of said this is like the crown. And it really is, like, because we have a time jump in this episode. There's no direct sort of parallel. We're just following yes. the machinations at court of, of, of you know, the, the various people jockeying for power and, and the, the looming threats that are coming. And so I can understand why some people might be a bit disappointed in episode two, but I certainly wasn't. I think this is great that the show obviously has the confidence 
that it's saying, this is the story we're telling, stick with us because we're going somewhere. That's right. And also if they, they need things to happen, like Hmm. they needed, they needed Viserys to get married again, or they need that to be a big factor but they couldn't just go, well, next week after his wife is dead, let's do it. Yes, they needed, exactly. They needed to yeah. have some time to allow a bit of fallout, things to come to rest and that's then it. gear it up again because that's how things would happen in real life. You can't, you know, yes, this is a world where the king has to take a new wife and everyone understands that, but even in this world you can't do it the next week. You know, yes. <laughs> you, need, Absolutely. you need to have some breathing room and you need to make it believable to the viewers. So by going that six months later you can see that, oh, yes, Alicent has just been turning up at his room every couple of days yes. to go, hi, how you doing, big guy? And you can see that that's been a pattern of behaviour that's set up this situation. So, um, and it allows you to do things like having Damon take over Dragonstone without having to show it. Um, yes, exactly. Think, yeah, you can just sort of jump forward and, and say that's happened. Yeah, and I think somebody was who was saying somebody was saying which that did it, happen. It, I, I will point out it did happen in Game of Thrones. Like time jumps like that were happening all the time. It's yes, just they that weren't. They weren't was, kind it was, of. It wasn't so, as drawn attention to as 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 they were. Yeah, because it was more the idea that people were traveling places. So you got yes, that sense yeah. of time because people had to travel. They were on their way down to King's Landing, and they had the thing with Joffrey and Arya, and the being bitten by the dire wolf. Yes. So you had this sense of time passing while people were traveling. This one, and then, like, and then later on, people developed things. teleporters somehow, and they just sort of zipped about Westeros in the space of an afternoon. But you know, that's not that was. I mean, this is one of the. <laughs> this is one of the, uh, I guess, criticisms. But also, how else were you going to do that? Exactly. I mean, yes. Having it's, extra it's episodes, sure. Problem. But the logistical problem is something that this this uh, uh, series will face as well. Is how do you have how do you move forward in time without sort of feeling telling everyone that you're skipping, you know, and and feeling like they're missing something. Um, but maybe they've taken that lesson on board. So if they acclimatize everyone now to time jumps, then by the time they have to change locations. Uh, it's not too bad because think about it in this episode Otto went to Dragonstone you know and he just turned up there Um, Dragonstone is not that far from King's Landing but it still would be a couple of days on a boat that that's my understanding it would be a day or so in a boat to get to Dragonstone from King's Landing whereas Rhaenyra can get on a dragon and get there in an hour that's right um so So she and and can I just say and we'll talk about this I'm sure but what timing how she timed it (laughs) oh hey impeccable impeccable timing to just to know like was she sort of hanging around i, I mean also also from um from uh, uh damon's dragon <laughs> as well like, like impeccable timing on, on oh. his part as well so i mean like you, you can say that like these dragons just live for the drama they they, they <laughs> really they're setting this up he he came across <laughs> at a very like at a very poignant uh moment for the story you know it's almost they like know, the on tv they know how to make an entrance absolutely um, so um, anyway, let's let's go. We're getting too far into it. I suppose we should get to our minute challenge. So do you want me to start this week? Because you started yes, last absolutely. week. absolutely. Let's do it. Um, well, that's coincidental because the first thing I had was the big, um, I think it's a SpongeBob uh, Bob thing. You see it on the internet all the time where people say six months later or, <laughs> you know, two minutes later or one eternity later. That's kind of how this was six months later. Uh, Similarly, I wrote no sex, minimal violence, but cool dragons. Yes. Uh, And uh, crab feeder, crabby guy, 
Um, and then I wrote, he's a bit shellfish. Because oh. clearly I had nothing better to do with my minute challenge than to make a bad pun. Um, uh, yes. Um, uh, Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra being a, a queen with her dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of child dating. <laughs> yes. Uh, a, the, a strange theme running through this episode was was uh, underage marriage. Yeah, uh, Sea Snake and Damon potentially yes. joining forces at the end, and then I wrote season two has been confirmed, and that oh, was yes, all of like course. yeah, that, and that happened like you alerted me via Twitter uh, mm. that, that that season two had been confirmed, basically off the numbers of episode one, off the viewing numbers. Yes, of which were one. insane. I think I think like ten million people watched it in the first two hours or something on HBO alone. I um, think I think I saw somewhere that in Australia, like one in twenty people in Australia has watched the first House yes. of the Dragons episode. Yeah, uh, it's like so two, it, mil- two million. Just enormous numbers, like, like especially yeah. in, in our fractured media landscape, like everyone is watching this show. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great, and I, I I'm really thrilled for the event television model to, you know, to to be back uh, yeah no absolutely i totally to agree have, to have something to talk about um it's really really fun because um, as so- i said like we're here for the next the next nine weeks is is Ooh. all hot d it's, it's, we got three months of hot d just Indeed. two and a half months of hot d um so let's go to your list and then we can break break more stuff down because i feel like i i sat there with my list going what happened what happened <laughs> well the first item on my list was theme song Oh we talked God. about this last. Uh, we oh talked about this last God. week. Yes. I know. Yeah, we talked about it last week how the the cold open meant that they didn't really have a, 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 a title sequence. Like, like you know, the Game of Thrones title sequence was iconic. Yes. Um, and that theme song was so like fantastic, and and has become like part of pop culture. Mm. And so I guess they took the approach of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad they did. Well, I, like- I, yeah, like, I, I just thought uh, I, I was. Initially, hugely excited. I, I think I messaged you. I said I, I the way I screamed when I yes. <laughs> like out loud in my house. I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, like it's the song. They're like they're yeah. just they're just using Game of the Game of Thrones theme, yeah, um, which makes sense. And then I had a weird moment of like weird disappointment where I was like, "Oh, so they're just so they're just going to reuse it? Like they're not using it again?" But then I came right back around on it because I was like. Actually, no, it's perfect because this is still the Game of Thrones that is that is playing yes. out. Yes. You know, this, this is the original Game of Thrones. Like, and so, you know, that that theme was never tied to any one character or house or anything like that. It's about yes. the political machinations that happened for the Iron Throne. And what what more uh, you know, thematically resonant uh piece of music could you possibly add to this show? Yeah. Um where I thought was where I did get confused was the actual visuals itself because I know we we talked a little bit last week about what mm. they would do for a for an intro sequence and we get our answer this week and it seems to be uh, Viserys's model train set. Um, <laughs> so his uh, so his uh, what, what what we thought was King's Landing I thought it was a model of King's Landing but it turns out it's a model of old Valyria it's a, mat- a model of the the capital city of, well, of that, that empire. Yeah, one of my readers pointed that out uh, in a comment said that uh, it's actually a model of uh, old Valyria and I was like that's genius and that was confirmed this week when he was talking to Alicent about hmm. his model. So Absolutely. Apparently- and so that's what we're seeing in the in the opening credits and we're seeing obviously 
the bloodlines of the Targaryen dynasty. So mm. all of those, so I, I had to, I had to look this up. I will freely admit because I was I've, looking at it going, what am I looking at here? Yeah. Um, because like th th that's the one thing that I will say about it. It's very, it's much more conceptual than the Game of Thrones intro, mm. which was very much, which was genius because not only did it um, show you uh, exactly, not, not only did it set a tone, but it, it, functioned like the map at the beginning of a fantasy novel mm. where it showed you all the different places. And it's like, here's where this is. Here's where this is. This is where we're going this week. Like it, it served a function within the show. It, it's, it's one of the best uh, title sequences, I think, in television history, really. Mm. Um, this one is far more conceptual. And, and once you sort of have it explained to you, you're like, oh, okay, I get that. that, that that's quite clever. But it is something that you have to sort of have explained to you. I'm like, okay, so there's like lots of blood and I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm seeing a lot of like models and sigils and things, but I don't know what they represent. But of course, what they all are is they are all, they represent the different branches of the Targaryen family, and they're all linked mm. by blood, um, which of course they are. But it's also quite uh, thematically relevant to what will happen in this show. Yes. Um, so you know, it's 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 good. I like it. I like it. I think it'll grow on me. It'll, it'll be something. I mentioned this, I think, on Twitter a little bit earlier this week. Like, it's something that we're going to talk about. Like, it's going to be dissected in huge detail over the next few days. And then by next week and moving forward, no one's going to think twice about it. It'll just be the yeah. intro to Hot D. <laughs> well, um, I saw yeah. someone post, and I've updated my my recap to put a link in, um, because someone, uh, I found it on Twitter or somehow it turned up in my feed that it is um, maybe, in fact, it might have even been you who tweeted it, Stu, but it's all the sigils, the little turny, twisty things, which I was trying yes. to work out, are they like faucets or are they like, because they seem to sort of release blood every time they turn. So I don't know what physically they're supposed to be, but obviously thematically they're sigils for different people and someone went through and put names over all of them. So it starts with Aegon the Conqueror and then it goes yep. to his two sisters who were also his wives, Visenya and... Raina, I think. Uh, Rainus. And then Rainus and then goes down to, you know, down through. So, and eventually at the back, you, and they also put in like, oh, here's Otto and Alison and over here's Corliss and uh, uh, Rainus and um, then finally Rhaenyra, I think. So, yeah, so they it's all like their personal sigils. Um, I, I know that currently it stops at, Ra at, at Rhaenyra. I strongly suspect that as we get more branches of the Targaryen family that, might expand in the opening credits as well. Yes. Well, that'll be interesting to see. And that fits in with what, you know, historically was done with Game of Thrones with changing it mm. to suit the characters that you're talking about. So, yeah, but it was just, it was really cool. And I'm so glad they used the piece of music because it's like Star Wars. You know, you go to a Star Wars film and <laughs> yeah. you expect to hear the Star Wars music, uh, regardless of whether it's the ones from the 70s or the ones from the 90s or the ones from the 2010s. You expect to hear da 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 Same with Game of Thrones. If I'm hearing Game of Thrones, I want to hear Game of Thrones. And it means now it's back at the start of this podcast, you. It's the intro music again. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a certain satisfaction in that. So, yes, Indeed. I'm Indeed. very thrilled that they, they reused it. The next item on my list was uh, Valyrian standoff. Um, so we had yes. uh, the two dragons standing off on the bridge. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Rhaenyra uh, comes and uh, 
against the wishes of her father and all the all the various men who've been telling her to uh, stay stay quiet and go do something else. Oh, that's um, why and- I had written. Sorry, I had written under that Arabian Queen Dragons Dragons. Now I know why I wrote Dragons Dragons. Like, <laughs> yes, because yeah, she. <laughs> I'm interrupting your point, but um, oh, no, no. I, I think it's related to it. But uh, the earlier in the meeting where they were talking about the crab feeder and Corliss is saying, hey, we've got to, you know, do something about this guy. And Viserys is like, look, I'm not starting a war. We're sending some envoys. It's going to be fine. Mm. And then Rhaenyra says, no, but we've She's got like, dragons. You have now. dragons. Got, <laughs> I ride a dragon. I go over there. Boom. I'd flame him. It's good. We show some force. Dragons. Done. And Viserys is like, well, it's not that simple. She's like, why not? I'll just get on my dragon. We've got dragons. No, it's super simple. (laughs) I saw someone point out, this isn't my joke, but I thought it was great. It's it's literally like Scott Evil in the Austin Powers movies going, I can just take I can just shoot him in the gun. Oh, that was you. Yeah, of course. That was me in my room. I can just shoot him in the head. I've got a gun. I can just go in there, I'll shoot him. We'll be done. We'll go get some lunch. He's like, Scott, how about no? Yeah. You don't get it. You don't get it. (laughs) And, uh, and that's that's exactly what it came to mind as I watched that. She's like, "Dad, come on, let's just go do this." And uh, so, but that was about the crab feeder, whereas what she actually did was to go resolve this, you know, family issue. And uh, I, yeah, I thought that was great. And it was it was also how else is that going to be deflated? Because Otto turns up. And <laughs> possibly the worst person to send, like like in, in all in all things, because Otto and Damon despise each other. Yes, yes. And they and and they and the fact that he's there going, Oh, you really think you'll survive this? You know, you rebellious younger brother, you think you're gonna survive this? And then he's like, like uh maybe Corexus is right here, my giant dragon is right here, and you've just turned up with some army guys, and yes, you might have army guys. Versus my, uh, you know, my gold cloaks, my essentially, you know, police officers with delusions of grandeur. Uh, but I've got a dragon, so I could just burn you all now. Like it was very weird for Otto to be like, "Ha, you think you'll survive this?" <laughs> it was weird. It's almost like he forgot that Damon yeah, had had Caraxes. Like it was yeah. very strange. It, it um, makes me wonder how in this time. Uh, because people in the first episode, you know, dragon, Rhaenyra was on her dragon flying overhead and people were like, yeah, no big deal. There are dragons, right? It's just part of yeah. life. Obviously compare that to Game of Thrones where dragons came back and everyone's like, holy shit, dragon. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. it's a fucking dragon. We've only ever heard of these as myth, you know, or, or, you know, long ago dead creatures, but oh my God, they're terrifying. But back in the day, everyone's like, yeah, whatever, it's a dragon, you know, it's cool. We just live with it. Um, except when Rhaenyra turned up on the ramparts there and uh, Kristen Cole, you could see him looking up at the dragon like, wow. Um, except maybe he was looking at Rhaenyra going, wow, I'm not sure if there's going to be a thing there yet. Uh, I assume <laughs> not entirely too sure. Um, but, uh, yes, I should write that down as something to talk about. Oh, yeah, Kristen Cole. I forgot him. Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought that was strange that they, they have to minimise the fact that some of the actors in this show, and by actors I mean the, you know, the people making things happen, not, yes. not the actors themselves, not not Matt Smith. <laughs> Matt Smith doesn't have a personal dragon. Um, uh, well, it depends on the nude scenes that are on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of find a way that, oh, we're going to have this confrontation, it's going to be equal. Just forget that, the, that, that one side of this argument has a dragon. <laughs> Has a dragon, yes, right exactly. there. 
Because because um, I mean, it won't last for him. Like, yes, he could he could burn Otto and then. But, but that would respond. that would declare direct war on, on that the would throne. Declare, and at that yes. point, Viserys would have to act, and he, he has would, and he has sixteen many other dragons that yeah. he has to bear. Like you know, yes, that will rain down. But Otto is obviously very self interested. I don't think he wants to die in the sacrifice. No, that he knows. which is why it's very strange. Like he kind of strides in and like yeah. just starts insulting the crap out of Damon and Missaria, like calling her a whore and and, yeah, and yeah. saying that he's being Manish an idiot. Your and, whore and yeah. Very, oh, it, it's yeah. For for someone who's negotiating from a position of weakness, it's some yeah. strong words. That's right. The next item on my list is uh, fifteen is better than twelve, I guess. <laughs> um, ah, yes. So we have an extremely awkward uh, series of scenes where the twelve-year-old Lena Valarian uh, is uh, sent on a on a, uh, I, I guess, like a chemistry test uh, with. <laughs> You know, like just a getting to know you sort of walk with her much older second cousin, um, the king. You know, like like obviously the, the point of that scene is to show that it is extremely awkward and bad. Um, yeah. And but but and the good thing is that Viserys seems to understand that as well. Like he is, he says at once. Say he's talking uh, to Lord Strong later on in the in the small council chamber, and he's like, you know, she she would be a good match, my lord. He's like, she's twelve. Right? <laughs> like he. He knows that this is weird and strange, you know, and she, and she says, like, you know, oh, mother said I wouldn't have to bed you until I'm 14. And it's like, oh, God. But they're sort of highlighting that this is, like, this is what sort of used to go on in medieval times. Like, there was, there yeah, was arranged marriages that would happen and there would be age differences and you yeah. would just sort of overcome them. I think famously, um, probably the most famous one is Margaret Beaufort, who was the mother of King Henry VII. And she mm. was married to uh, Owen Tudor, Jasper Tudor, Owen Tudor, at 12 and had Henry VIII when she was 13. Yikes. And it was such a, yeah, it was such a traumatic pregnancy. She never had another child, um, even though she remarried a couple of times. Uh, but she never had any more children. So whether, you know, whether that was because she was incapable or just was like, I will never have sex again because of that. Um, uh, Either way, understandable. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, and that was quite, from my understanding of things, typically, obviously, they would marry kids off as babies to each other and, you know, know, affiance them and go, you will marry you or whatever without their consent or have plans for them. And they would often marry them young, but they would understand that they needed to reach a certain point of sexual maturation for, for yes, girls. Exactly, like, like they won't be, they wouldn't be betting them at like they, eight yeah, or they, like, like they that's weren't. Not, that's not happening. They weren't idiots. Margaret Beaufort's case was just a is sort of the most famous one of what obviously her husband went. Yeah, it's fine. I'm fine with it. Um, uh, yeah, so she, yeah, you know, had this baby at thirteen. Um, I think even in Blackadder, the first Blackadder series. They make a joke of that. They marry him off to a to a girl um, who's about ten, yes, uh, and she's much more mature than him. I think that's kind of the joke. She's like, "Oh yes, we'll get married now, Edmund," and he's like, oh. <laughs> um, and then she's sort of never seen again. Uh, but you know, so I think um, it's to me that whole sequence of of you know. Well, I mean, let's 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 talk about it. So the idea is he's six months now, a widower. And for the good of the realm, he needs to get married. He needs to have another yes. wife, uh, try and get more babies happening so that he secures the throne because he's got one heir, but it's a girl and it's just the one. And if she's going to go off dragon riding, who knows what might happen to her? 
you're going to need someone else. Um, Corliss and Rainies, Rainies. Yes. Yeah. They, they are clearly ambitious with this. Sure. Uh, well, Rainies, as as we've seen, is the 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 passed over queen. Like she she was in line. She should, technically is first in line to the Iron Throne, but was passed over. Yes. And so she's married to the very powerful Valyrian uh, heritage uh, House Valerian. Uh, and it makes perfect sense to, you know, merge the two greatest houses. They would have dragons and the and the the biggest fleet. The navy, yeah. Uh, you know, it would be it would be a match. It would be a per- politically perfect match. Mm. Um, but also, their daughter is twelve, and yes. it's sort of it's sort of weird and awkward. And, and Viserys... I wonder, yeah, but it's 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 about because what what's really interesting is that clearly. Corliss has no problem telling his daughter, look, you're going to go in there. This is your job. You're a, you're a daughter of nobility. You're mm. going to be married off. So be good, be nice. Tell him you're looking forward to being queen. You're going to have lots of babies. It's going to and be And also they, they know that like Viserys isn't a monster. So like, they're, they're like, he's a nice guy. <laughs> like, like he's, it's yeah. not like he's going to treat you badly or anything. Yes, that's right. But it is good that Rhaenys does admit to Rhaenyra um, and yes. God, those names are so confusing and annoying. Um, they're so similar uh, that she is bothered by the fact that she has to kind of send her twelve-year-old off to to go into the you know hot Tinder market mm. um, <laughs> of Westeros of King's Landing. Uh, but she also is like, well, that's just the way things go. That's the order of things. That's how it works. That uh, was the next Con- item on my list: is the Battle of the Rays. Um, ah. so well, yeah. I, let's I, let's I, go through I, your I list. I did want to get we'll, into that, but yeah. Let's go through your list and and we'll keep we'll keep talking. Yeah, absolutely. I do want, well, I mean, I do want I, to get back I, to the child to, thing. Yes, exactly. Well, well, just just to finish the that that point. So, I mean, like Viserys, then instead of the very politically, uh, it makes so much political sense for him to marry Lena Valerian, but instead he marries uh, Alison Hightower, um, mm. who has been who is older, not that much older. Um, in in universe, she's fifteen. Yes. Um. So it's not great, but it 15, is... 16, around that, I think. Yeah, around that sort yeah. of age. Um, she's the same... In the show, she's meant to be this, a similar age as Rhaenyra. Mm. Um, in the books, she's actually meant to be quite a bit older than Rhaenyra, but still, like, much younger than Viserys. Um, yeah. So in the in the books, when Rhaenyra is, like, about three or four, she's about 12. Oh, so okay. they, they, they don't have as close a relationship in the in the in the book as they do in the show which they've obviously done to create you know this tension tension uh mm. that we see at the end of the, this episode where Rhaenyra at the last second realizes what's about to happen and yeah. just has that moment where she looks at her best friend and realizes she's been utterly betrayed yes um in a in a very personal and and deep way uh by her father and her best friend mm. <laughs> um you know which will set the tenor for a lot of what's going to come, I think. Mm. Um, but yes, no, I thought that was really, that was really clever to, to, to layer that in there because it creates such an easy emotional shorthand for a lot of conflict that, that will mm. come, I think. Um, yeah, I think the, the fact that they were best friends and bosom buddies and, and went everywhere together and, you know, Rhaenyra in episode one's talking about all she wants to do is fly off on, on Cyrax with, with Alicent. Mm. Um, explore the world together yeah explore the world and 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 you know i think that's um 
there's a lot of good groundwork that was laid there that you can rip the rip I, the rug out from I under Rainier at the end here. I saw. I think I've seen a little bit of chatter about whether um, the depiction of Alicent and Ranero is like a like a loving relationship, like a romantic relationship. And you know, the internet um, loves to to ship people. I was about I to guess. say people people love shipping things. Like, and, and some I've I've seen a couple of people accuse it of queer baiting, and I'm I'm like I'm not qualified to comment on that. But it doesn't. It didn't feel that way to me. I, but, I don't think. Know. One of the things that 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 has you know, well, I haven't seen said that I just want to stick up for is the intensity of female friendships you can have as a teenager. Yes, like yes, it is, absolutely. You know, it, it it it's a heady time. I'm sure you know. I can't speak for young men, but I assume the same thing. You just get you really bosom bosom buddies, hmm. and for young girls who are like, oh, we're going to go do this. We're going to have plans. We're going to you know, and, and you have the same experiences and all of a sudden when one of your best friends does something that's like really kind of grown up or really outside the sphere of expectation and the yeah. sense of betrayal and things like that you can feel is really in, intense. And, Absolutely. you know, as a, as a girl who was once formerly a teenager, you know, these, <laughs> these, these friendships can break your heart and, and you can be super, super close and have, and um, one of the things that I always felt I missed out on as a teenager was having these intense female friendships. You know, I had, I had girlfriends and things like that and girls I wanted to be better friends with and jealousies cause I wasn't as good a friend. So, but that, that, that's what I mean from my perspective was, Oh, I want to be friends with you and you're moving away sort of thing. So I, I saw it more as a deep female friendship and, you know, that kind of thing. So I, th I think that still can exist without a sexual element or a romantic element it can be that bonding of of friendships and that's yes. that's what i drew from it um you know and no, everyone, I totally agree. everyone's going to have their own take on it but for me it's a if you're you, you hear sometimes of of people like on buzzfeed lists or what's the craziest thing in your family or something it's like well my 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 wife cheated on me with my dad or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, you sometimes hear those stories and absolutely that's going to be the weirdest thing in the world. And so I think they needed to build up that friendship and that intense young female bond and then break it with the like, Oh my, but my dad is gross. Oh no. you oh. <laughs> Especially because they, they also spend a lot of time this episode. And this is why the episode's sort of taking its own time doing all this is they, they take their time to show that, um, you know, people, uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra are making the effort with each other to connect and, re mm. and reconnect after the death of, of Emma, um, you know, and she and eventually Alicent comes is, to a... Alison's actually helping both of them with yes, that. Yes, exactly, yeah. Alison, unknown to both of them, is helping both of them, like, become closer. And, and, not, and not out of, like, some weird political machination, but because fundamentally at this stage anyway she is a she's a good person who just wants what's best for both of them yeah um, she's caring yeah yeah she, she's I, not I didn't point that out in my my recap because i guess it's always so much going on but yeah that's you're right that's it, it's it's her trying to bring them together and maybe that's her way of atoning for what she knows her father is making her do which yes. is put herself in front of viserys as you know a potential candidate for next wife and so maybe, whether consciously or not, she's feeling like, well, if they're really strong and close together and happy as a father and daughter, maybe 
Rhaenyra won't hate me so much when, if, you know, he does want to marry me. So maybe she's sort of thinking, and, and that might be the reason why she bites her nails so much. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that she's living this sort of weird double life. Mm. She's having to she's having to play a role that Otto wants her to play because that's the order of things. But she also is conscious that she's got a really good friend and she's, you know, trying to and she's dealing with her own grief as well like that lovely scene they have together in the sept which yeah. i thought was one of the best scenes of the episode uh where she's sort of saying hey maybe you want to like pray with me and just think about um your mum and this is where i feel close to my mum and you know and and growing up as a teenager without um a mother can also be quite a hard thing for for young girls and i assume mm. you know having having any kind of parental loss is, is difficult, but when it's the parent of your, your same, you know, uh, gender, you kind of go to your mum to ask things. You might feel embarrassed going to your dad as a yeah. girl. So uh, that sort of, you know, she's already has experience with that, can help Rhaenyra navigate that that um, transition. So, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all cooking away there. And yeah, absolutely. No, and, and yeah. the the seeds have been set then. I think for um, some uh, antagonism uh, mm. in the future. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely there. Um, the next on my list, as I said, was uh, Battle of the Rays. So we had that fantastic scene, like really, really good scene between uh, Rhaenys and Rhaenyra, uh, the 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 queen who was passed over for the for the crown, and the the princess who believes that she's in line for the throne. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I think you, you, you put it very well. I think, I think this was you again. I, they're, they're all With blurring me? together. I'm, 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 but, How but, dare you? How dare the fact you? That this, it's like typical, uh, Gen X versus Gen Z, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, the, the Gen X, oh, look, you know, you'll never change anything. And the Gen Z's being like, no, 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 I'm going to change everything when I get, when we get it, when we get in power, it's going to be fine. So it's obviously like it has huge thematic resonance that that uh, that particular scene, like like uh, so much of this show is basically that message that men would rather see the world burn than uh, and put a woman on, the, put a woman on, the, on the Iron Throne. Yeah. So obviously thematically that scene is hugely resonant. Um, in terms of the plot, uh, that scene is going to be hugely resonant as well. Really? Um, because Rainus isn't wrong. So, you know, there's a, there's a rough seas ahead for Rhaenyra, uh, even though she is the the heir, the named heir, and it seems to be well, coming into her own. She's learning the ropes. She's starting to, to do things, but there's 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 a rocky road ahead for her. I mean, I if Viserys is about to marry Alicent, one can only assume, and given that we know that they're going to upage them at some point, sure. one can only assume she's going to have babies. Because that's and, kind of and, the point. And, and uh, Rainus says, like, you know, chances are very good that she's going to have a couple of sons. Yeah. So, so uh, will they pass her over and go, well, now you have a, a son? I mean, that's the whole reason Henry VIII had two daughters, hmm. but then married again, had a son, and was like, well, you're now the, the first in line. So could, Viserys could very easily go, look, sorry, Renera, I've got a boy now, so you're just going to drop back one. Cool, <laughs> yes, cool. exactly. And she'd be expected to to, to take that. Um, and look, given the fact that in, I mean, well, Viserys has a choice. Viserys has a choice. He can either he's he's named Rhaenyra as his heir, and he's made all the lords, all the major lords in the kingdom, including the Starks up to the north, yeah, uh, to come bend to King's knee. Landing yeah. and bend the knee and swear an oath to Rhaenyra. Yeah. Uh, so he has a choice now. Like, does he keep Rhaenyra as his heir, or if he has a son, uh, does he become the the 
uh, first in line to the throne. Didn't he say something in this episode that he had no intention to replace? Uh, he has or? no intention to replace Rhaenyra. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And it's it could show his mindset. But the other thing about his um, kind of proposal, well, I don't even know if he proposed to Alison. Do you think with that scene, he just kind of announced it? Do you think that he'd sort of talk to her about it? Like I... had, a, had a private proposal and go, hey, listen, let's get married. <laughs> she there's a like she was in the meeting normally she would not be in a small council meeting like yeah. why was she there um i think even if he, even if he didn't have a direct talk with her i think she knew what was coming because that's mm. the reason she had been hanging out with him yeah um but i do wonder i do wonder if he had a scene where he sort of said i'm going to ask to marry you because it was weird she was in the room and they needed mm. her to be in the room because you yes. needed to see the reaction of Rhaenyra looking at her. You and, need to have them lock eyes. And yeah, then, yeah, of course. But it was weird that she just somehow be there. Like nobody commented and going, um, why is Otto's daughter here? <laughs> She's normally never here. Um, but, uh, yeah, in that scene, uh, just talking about, I know I'm jumping back and forth because my brain is pie, but um, the uh, Rhaenys... Rhaenyra saying, they all bent the knee to me. And then Rhaenyra says, oh, yeah, do they remember that when you're serving them, you know, when you're pouring drinks in their cups? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's her role is still as cupbearer to a bunch of men. Um, and yet it's a bit confused because cupbearer is like a male heir would probably be doing something very similar as well. Like because the, the idea of being a cupbearer is to be there at the small council meeting and look and, and learn what happens. You know, like, like that's the, that's the main sort of reason to be there. Like, like you're also there to fill people's wine, but like, but you're, Damon you're meant, was you're the meant to sort of be looking. Wasn't, he wasn't the cup. Yeah, era. but he was also he's also a grown man. Like, you know, and was part of the small council. Uh, yeah. So and was not the named heir. Like, like the, the idea is you have if you have a younger heir. You know, if you had a, a male heir the same age as, as Rhaenyra. Oh, right. Like um, a, yeah, like a preteen he, or he would be He would yeah. be doing the same thing. He'd be a cupbearer listening to the Lord's talk and, and, and plot and scheme um, and learning learning the ropes, basically. Mm. Um, but it is it is a, a, a effective way to sort of take a dig at, at Rhaenyra, like you're just a serving mm. girl as far as they're concerned. That's right, yeah. Um, the next item on my list is uh, Viserys has metaphorically resonant injuries. Um, yes. So Viserys uh, keeps cutting himself on the Iron Throne. Uh, so that's well, what I that, think, that's. I think that wound, the finger that went rotten that they had to you know treat with maggots. Yes. I think that was the same finger he cut at the it end was. of the first. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's six he, months. He made and it's not he made a choice. He he cut it when he told Damon to, to go away. So he told Damon to go away and I banish you, get, get out of here. And then he cut his finger. And six months later, the the, the finger's gone all rotten and, and awful. Yeah. Um, so very, very thematically resonant. What um, do you think he, it is? Do you think it's, because um, I'm sort of thinking, is it a like a hemophilia sort of thing where because they're inbred, you know, they don't, no, I think I think it's more metaphorical. It's 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 the idea that um, every time he makes a bad decision, he cuts himself. You know, and he, he's he's sort of no, I'm serious. Like, like like he every time he makes a bad decision, he injures himself. Like like this is a death of a thousand cuts. He keeps yeah, making these bad decisions oh, and, and death of a thousand. I'm I'm stealing that for the recap. I'm stealing that. <laughs> you heard it here first. I always credit where I steal from. So a death of a thousand cuts. 
Like all uh, of this is there uh, in the in the text. Like it's it's yeah. it's very. Um, it's no, very, no, but you pretty, just you just put the overt. name to it. You put the name yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, um, no, I'm so, like, but it it ties in with him being this nice king, and he wants to be a good that's king. It. And he's he want, he's, a, he's a he's a conciliator. He wants everyone to be happy and to get on and to just like be be good to each other. And that's never going to happen. <laughs> so he has to make some hard choices, and he never makes the right decision. Like he's I, always making these. Hang on, yeah. hang on, Jaharis. We we sort of don't know a lot about Jaharis apart from the fact in the prologue of the first episode, it talked about how he had reigned over. A long period of peace. Yes, he like he, he reigned for about sixty years. He was he was this hugely. He came he came of a he came to the throne when he was relatively young. Um, after a period of of instability, um, mm. there was there was a lot of back and forth and jostling for power among the various Targaryens. Yeah, um, and he sort of pulled everything together and turned what was quite a quite still quite a tenuous. Uh, you know, hold on power into one into a, a golden empire, basically. Mm. Um, so he pulled everyone together. He he settled the kingdoms. Uh, he he turned it. He Dawn wasn't part of, um, and still isn't at this stage, uh, part of the Seven Kingdom. It's still only six kingdoms at this stage in history. Um, but you know, everyone else, like he he reigned over a period of prosperity and peace, and so has Viserys. So Viserys has inherited that. And sees it as his great legacy to ensure that that prosperity and peace continues. Yeah, that's his. That's his big driving force. Is that he? And obviously, he knows this uh, prophecy about uh, the Song of Ice and Fire. So he knows that the realm has to be united, and he sees the best way for the realm to be united is for everyone to stop fighting and just get on. Mm. And unfortunately, you have a bunch of very powerful uh, people, all of whom believe that they should be in charge. Uh, all jostling for power and influence, and so that those two things don't work well together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did find it interesting about the uh, the, the maggots. Um, so he has to put his hand in a, a big big plate of maggots uh, to sort and of. And he wasn't away even that revolted that. by it. He wasn't. No, he's just sort of like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's yeah, fine. makes sense. That's yeah, how we sure. treat things. Yeah, yeah, seems absolutely. Like good, seems like a good solution. Although hilariously, they were, quarter- like, I, they were going to cauterize his back last episode. Now they're having. Yes, yeah, so I think they did. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, yeah, like, like the idea is he's constantly cutting himself on the Iron Throne. Um, but you know uh, what I found interesting about the maggots is they actually do uh, use maggots to this day. Um, yeah, to, yeah. Uh, clean gangrenous wounds, so it's not yeah. that far fetched. It was certainly something that was that's been used that's- in the past. It's it's part of medical doctrine up and up until today way better than leeches let's be yeah. honest yeah absolutely are they, are they bringing leeches back is that something i read anyway no i probably just imagine that um, <laughs> no but, that, but they still do bloodletting for various things including uh hemochromatosis yes uh, they do which is uh, uh excess iron in the blood they they Tony, the, the, Tony the only the treatment for that comedian. is um to take some blood yeah just he's got to go the amount of blood you have He's got to go and have his uh, blood drained every few months or something. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Tony Martin, the comedian, Australian comedian, friend of the pod, friend of friend, uh, friend, of, friend of ours. Of the pod, yes, I think we can say friend that at this ours? stage, which is uh, bizarre to me, but but lovely. Name drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a rare exception to the "Don't meet your heroes." Uh, <laughs> oh yes, most definitely. Um, <laughs> if your hero is Tony the, Martin, absolutely worth meeting. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, uh, the the final item on my list is uh, 
uh, just uh, Corliss and Damon, which we've already talked about, obviously, um, both of them having been spurned and faced various defeats, they decide to team up and um, sort of cut Viserys out of the out of the decision making process and take on Crabfeeder directly. But it was nice that Corliss was kind of going, hey, look, your brother's a bit of a dickhead. And Matt Smith is like, hey, I can say it. You can't say it. Yeah, that's right. I thought um, that was Which, still- again, it, it just highlights the fact that, like, Damon is a complicated character. Like, he loves his brother. He genuinely yeah. does. All of this stuff in this episode was posturing. It was him chucking a giant tantrum because he wasn't getting his way. Well, um, this... He- now, this is the thing about the, the confrontation at, at Dragonstone is that we didn't talk about that it was all fake. He faked up this whole thing that he was going to marry Masario and he needed an mm. egg for a child and it was all lies and he didn't even tell Masario about it. She found out there and was a bit pissed off. Yes. Yes. She, she points out, she's like, you realise, like, they won't come for you but they will definitely come for me. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, you, you have badly misunderstood what's going to happen here. I have, I have to say, I, I don't quite get, like, I think, I think it, I think she's an interesting character and like her role in the show or her role Mm. in her relationship with, with Matt Damon is really interesting, but I don't (laughs) know if it's something about her or something about the way she's being directed or the accent she's using. I just couldn't quite, like, there was something about her speech where I was like, I'm not quite getting, it feels like this should be hitting me harder than it is. I don't, and I don't know, and I don't want that to sound rude or that I'm going, I think she's a bad actor. But remember how in the early, remember how in like season one Game of Thrones, there was definitely a feeling, you know, that maybe Amelia Clark was like quite new that, you know, is she, is she a good actor or is she just not that great? And, but, <laughs> but she's not, remember there was that discussion? There, there was, we, there was, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, used like... to, we used to talk about how, you know, the later seasons very much vindicated that, no, actually she's great. Yeah. Um, but in the first season, it's because she's a naive character and. And she's playing like a bit of a blank slate. And, she's, and it's, that's hard, right. it's easy to confuse that with just being a bad actor. That's right. <laughs> so it's like, how, how do you work that? I'm getting that same kind of vibe off Masaria. I'm like, is she. Is she, I just haven't got a bead on her yet. So I, well, she I, definitely, like, that's a wild accent that she's throwing out there. Yeah, um, it's, and, it's and, very... and I kind of made a joke about it at the start of this podcast. Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't totally get what they're going for there because I haven't heard that specific accent before and it seems to just be, like, generically foreign. Like, like that seems to be what she's going for there. Because, But like, I don't know if yeah. she has an accent as well. I'm it's... fairly sure she doesn't because she's English. Yeah, so it's so it sounds really it sounds like a bad accent someone's doing. Yes, but but it's not it's it's not allowing her to to shine. I think at this point, it just is is kind of yeah. And whereas whereas like Shay had an accent, or that was her um, accent, like that was how um, she talked. Um, Kate Bush, uh, Miss um, Missandra. No, yes, yes, uh, Melisandra. Melisandra. um, Yeah, had had an accent, but again, it was one of those things where they just said, look you know, you, you have an accent and she was, uh, Melisandre in particular was kind of playing it up a bit, Mm. but like they speak, like the actresses speak English with an accent. And so they just use their natural accents because they were both playing like foreign coded characters. Yes. Um, whereas I think this definitely feels like a put on because as to the, to the best of my knowledge, that, that actress speaks with an English accent because she's English. Um, so she's putting on an accent and I think you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, 
yeah, it just something about it's just not quite working for me yet. And I, I'm frustrated by it because I think her character and like when I kind of had a relook at that sort of little bit and I was like, oh, she's what she's saying is quite important is that she came with Damon and she sacrificed sort of obviously because she she must have been in charge of one of those brothels or something. She seemed to have a degree of influence. Yes, I'm pretty there. sure she, yeah. But she is someone who has been bought and sold a lot, as she pointed out here. She's like like a lot of those women would have been slave traded and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and she's like, no, if I go with this guy, I'll be free. And he's like, from what? She's like, fear. Mm. So she's literally with a guy who's got a dragon. That's going to be a motivator. Yeah, she, she has the protection of a powerful man. Yeah, um, and which she for, for a lot of women stuff. in this time period, in this set, in this world, that's as good as you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's why she's so furious because he's dropped her right in the firing line. Yes, yes. Um, so I'm I'm really interested in that. I just I'm hoping that I can get her character. I want to I want to be on her side, and at the moment I'm like I want. It was, I was a bit confused. <laughs> is all, but I think it's interesting. I'm just it, I don't know whether it's the direction or the accent or that kind of stuff. I don't I don't want to immediately jump and go. That's a weird actor, but maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe I just have to get on board. Um, but the 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 dynamic there is good i don't think she's gonna leave him necessarily but maybe he'll think twice about being a petulant little bitch again <laughs> i i think damon's on a journey of growth uh so that's <laughs> yeah, most definitely and it was cool that he kind of surrendered to rhaenyra because he realized that she had him there uh, well exactly because like he doesn't he doesn't hate her as much as she seems to think that he does like he loves yeah. his family you yeah. know and he's 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 angry at being passed over but she's like, you know, I'm I'm the source of all your ire. If you just kill me, this will be done with. Yeah, and but of he course realizes, it won't be. That that would start yeah. a, that would instantly start a war. But yeah, you know, and he you knows realize, he's like, well, the, you, you've called my bluff. I have nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so take the egg and get out of here. <laughs> you know, I've got a dragon here who's bigger than your dragon, but ultimately you still have a dragon. Yeah. That's and, right. So this isn't going to be the instant win I thought it was going to be. And Viserys has more dragons. But that was but the thing is, he wanted his brother to come and see him. Like yes, exactly, that, yeah. Viserys was like, I'm gonna to go to Dragonstone, and Otto's like, No, I can't let you. And the reason he couldn't let him is because if Viserys gets over there, they're gonna have a chat and they'll make up and they'll be brothers again. And Otto yes. can't have that happen. No. Um he I needs wish them I thought, divided. Oh, I didn't put that in the recap, damn it. That was that was a clever insight. It was. He, he Otto <sighs> definitely needs the dragons divided to, mm. to yeah to succeed because to, then, to advance his own cause yeah because then because everyone everyone was telling Viserys listen Lena's the ch- choice to marry like even that guy Stephen Toast of Toast of London <laughs> um, which I forgot to I forgot to put in my recap but he like he, he was going to everyone going who do you think who do you think and everyone is going yep the maester strong he didn't ask covered in beesbury but uh he he said (laughs) that's just my favorite i'm covered in bees lord i'm covered in beesbury uh everyone was like oh yeah clearly clearly lane is the match everyone's we're all for it great great heritage good parents good family excellent advantages makes total sense sense. and everyone probably was thinking yeah she's 12 but you know give it a few years it'll be fine yeah um and damon could have made that happen by going yeah clearly you should join forces with her like just take a mistress if you want like a companion you know Mm. take take a mistress but otto was like no if i if damon's there he'll tell him to marry her as well i need 
him to be pushed into Alison's way. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then and you know, but but I also think with that, uh, which I did say in my recap, is that I think Viserys wanted to kind of make a decision by himself, like yes. have that yeah. agency. He wanted to have something that he was like, no, I've made this decision and because it's mine. He's always sort of ceding to other people's views and saying, "What do you think?" And that, and and I think he wanted to kind of go because he had loved his first wife. Uh, I think he wanted to have, he, he didn't want to have to be bullied into, to, to my mind it made sense that if they had been a, he, it, you know, they didn't have to get married, like they chose to get married and they loved each other. Mm. He wanted to have some semblance of that with a second wife was my thinking. Yes, no, absolutely. I totally agree. Like that, like, they were married and, and had children on the way. Before, before he, he was, was named king. So. That's right. So it was the sense that he's like, well, I I don't want to just have a, you know, kind of a regulation marriage. That's not me. Uh, I want to have a partner, you know, someone who mm. can actually listen to me and I can talk to because that's what he did with Emma. You know, they, he went, she was in the bath and he kind of helped wash her and they had a chat. And, and so I think the idea of going, oh, just got a 12 year old now I have to as as we say 15 12 uh it's really not that much of a difference still underage but I, yes. I doubt that Westeros has a, a legal age of consent uh written down anyway <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh that's that but yes what else about this episode that was the end of your list uh, that's the end of my list um so yeah I guess we're just on uh the, the wrap-up um General in terms chit-chat. of what else did oh, we, no, what else did we notice like there's heaps of little things like yeah. when um I had a question about just a stupid thing um Viserys dropped his dragon Balerion. Oh, yes yes I meant to mention that and yeah because again like thematically resonant yeah uh, yeah, yeah, breaks yeah breaks the dragon breaks the dragon but then Alice and but then he Alison picks it up and gives it back to him. But then later on, she says, oh, I brought you something. And it's the dragon that she's taken off and had mended. When mm. did she get, when did she get that? When did she, when did. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, like, she, yeah, she, like, she probably picked it up later and. and but did she get someone fixed. to go in and, you know, surely he would notice. I just, I, anyway, I just thought, I, you know, <laughs> small quibble, small quibble. I, th- I think honestly, but that, that, that's, that it's so important because that's the moment that he sort of is like, yeah, yeah, you're really nice. Yeah, that, that's yeah. very oh, wow. thoughtful. That's very thoughtful. Thank you. You, you know, you like seem to care about me. Hmm. Um, and like, did she? Because it's not. I like. I assume she did. Sort of go. Oh, maybe I'll go get that fixed. But yeah, or, or yeah. is it? Or is it part of the? Or is it something? Machination. Yeah, that's that's what I don't know. Like how much? Because my instinct is to say Alicent is not. 100% on board with the whole I've got to go be a plan but kind of accepts it as her reality. Yes. That she's like, ah, oh, I'd rather not, but look, this is me. And that's why she bites her nails, that she's, you know, she's tense with um, worry and fear and anxiety about this role she has to play and how she's got to be her father's pawn. Mm. Um, but she actually is a caring person who has some empathy with Viserys. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think she's fully like. Yes, I'm going to marry you, and and you know, I because I want to be queen. Um, but is is there that there, or will she become more? Will she be empowered by becoming queen and throw a bit more of her weight around? Well, she'll certainly. Yeah, she'll certainly have more personal power. Mm. Um, 
which will put her on a collision course with several other powerful people who have their own agenda. This is the problem with you knowing everything, <laughs> You're keeping shtum. You can't speculate wildly with me. Well, I mean, this is the thing, yes. I, I, but, I mean, I think any, any uh, intelligent person watching the show realises that, you know, Alicent will be uh, in a much greater position of power as, as the queen, yeah. the queen consort. Um, yeah. and, and as you said, is very likely to have children of her own, yeah. uh, which will make her quite uh, powerful. Uh, and yes, and obviously, you know, we know that there's conflict in the future. So <laughs> what, what could possibly, you know, happen there? Should we mention Kristen Cole just briefly as well? Oh, yes, yes, of we course, yeah. We didn't talk other... about... um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so, so Harold is the king's guard who was guarding Rhaenyra last week, the guy from Outlander. Big uh, ball guy, big beard and mo. Uh, that's Sir Harold. Yeah, um, Harold Westerly. Two R's because it's a fantasy show, so Indeed. people always yes. have <laughs> more letters than are required or fewer. Uh, and they have set up that he's become the head of the King's Guard because of the old guy has died and they need to choose a new member. Yes. And so that was a really fun little sequence where when, you know, d- um, Daenerys, God, Rhaenyra. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're making. <laughs> she says a line. I, I meant to mention this in the minute challenge, but I'll mention it now. Like the, the she says a line. She says, "When I am queen, I will create a new order." And I new think that's order, verbatim. Yeah. I think that's verbatim from Daenerys. Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely parallels, if not exactly overlapping lines. <laughs> so she's saying, "Hey, I'll just go get the dragons, and we'll go take care of this crab feeder guy." And Sir Otto was like, maybe she needs to go do something else. Maybe she can go do something else. And so they send her to choose the new King's Guard. I love the fact that she had to use a step to step up to see over the yes. balcony and looking down at these knights. And you kept they kept cutting back to little shots of her feet, you know, going her going up onto tiptoes on these stairs. Yes. Um, to look over. And it's this sort of sense of, you know, she's a very small a uh, small girl and it's it's almost like the you know look it's too hard to be ruler look you have to you know it's too big for you you're just a little thing um i sort of thought there was some symbolism there and yeah it was interesting I, I did wonder if there was symbolism or whether that was like a practical uh element that was necessitated by the fact that millie alcock is herself quite short well yeah um, <laughs> I mean, yes, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but it's just the nature of this palace has been built for, you know, that's a, that's a king's balcony, I guess, or something like that. And, mm. you know, she's sort of up the front there. But, yeah, it was it was very charming. And, yeah, it was interesting the fact that these knights were being presented and one of them was like, ah, yes, this guy is very good. He recently caught a poacher. Mm. <laughs> so so what and, they're what they're implying there and, and what sort of Harold Westerling is sort of kind of sheepishly admitting is that he, what he's done is he's murdered a, a, a small a small person. Yeah. yeah um you know, he's he's murdered yeah. a peasant and yeah. apparently that's brave and, and true. <laughs> Someone was hungry and poached a deer and uh, they were punished for it. They, they were his... immediately murdered by an armed man. <laughs> And he had such a dinky looking costume, that guy. He had like this yes. yellow tunic with <laughs> trees on it or something. And he just had this great look of like, I am king shit. <laughs> and Rhaenyra was not impressed. And then the next guy, I think he's like a good fighter in tournaments, in melees and stuff. Yeah. Um, and she's like, do none of them have? So she's she's cluey. She gets that people, 
these are going to be people guarding her father. They they should have some experience with actual, you know, battle. And that's when our old mate Kristen Cole comes in. <laughs> and I like I like his manner. He has a very um, refreshing kind of. The, the others were a bit pompous and like hello, and he's like, oh yeah, no, I, I've killed people. Uh, I've had to take down people. Hmm. Um, I'm realistic about life. He just yeah had a nice easy manner. And so he, she appoints him and Otto is not impressed because he, Otto was, because he's like, oh no, we don't want to upset these families. And, you know, Kingsguard positions are very um, highly prized and these are good to keep alliances. Mm. And she's like, yeah, but that doesn't really matter, does not it? Shouldn't it be about who's best for the job? Exactly. Like, like they're, they're very clearly stating the different mm. priorities of, of those two characters. Like Otto's yeah. all about political machinations and, and Rhaenyra's like, but hang on, they're, they're meant shouldn't to be guarding we... <laughs> the king. So who's yeah. going to be best at guarding the king? Yeah. Shouldn't we appoint on, you know, like merit as opposed to uh, um, um, nepotism mm. <laughs> kind of thing, um, which was really good. And then Kristen turns up later. He's sort of turned up uh, to be as Otto is getting ready. And Alison tells him to please look after the hand and he's he's going with them. And then he gets the best line of the episode. He, he gets a great diss. <laughs> when he gets to, because uh, Matt Damon is is like, uh, uh, Crispin, was it? Uh, yeah, I kind of remember you. And he's like, you might remember me when I knocked you off your horse. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Matt Smith has a great line reading where you can tell like, he's actually like, yeah, sick burn. No, no, I'll, I'll pay you that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, I liked that a lot. So I think I think Kristen has potential to be a really interesting character. Um, but as I said, like the Kingsguard is supposed to be celibate. Like that was the whole reason Tywin hated Jamie being a member of the Kingsguard. Yes, it meant that he, you know, technically couldn't inherit Casterly Rock and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, so they're supposed to be celibate. But let's see how long that lasts. Do you think he's going to have a little fling with um, Rhaenyra? Oh, see, I can't even ask you these things, Stu, because you've read the book. Well, it's certainly, oh. I mean, like, look, <laughs> you've rightly pointed out that, like, as a king guard, he would have taken an oath of celibacy and then he renounces yes. lands and titles and things like that. So it it would create some complications if someone were to be romantically linked to him. Yes, it would create complications. Okay. That's very, uh, that's very diplomatic of you, Stu. <laughs> and- <laughs> The one other tiny thing that I just want to mention just was mentioned in passing by Viserys when he was saying, well, what do you want me to do with my brother? Uh, you know, Matt Damon's gone over to Dragonstone, established him without challenge. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Send him to the wall? And that was the first mention we've had of the wall. Mm. And I just sort of clocked that briefly and went, oh, I should. it's nice to know. Like I wonder if we'll see the wall because at this point the wall should be better guarded than it is. Uh, obviously um, in Game of Thrones. So it would be interesting to yeah. see, you know, just cut to the wall at some point. There's no reason to. It doesn't really figure into this story, I think, but I, it just made me go, oh, that's right. Think of all those uh, brave brothers of the Night's Watch up on the wall. <laughs> uh, the Watchers the on cold. the wall. Uh, Protect, what's that oath? We are the Watchers on the wall. Uh, night, is, night, night gathers and now our watch begins. Hmm. That's the one. Uh, so yes, shout out to all the brothers on the, on the wall, uh, brothers of the black watch. Um, what else? Was there anything else we've, we've sort of covered crab feeder, I think will be interesting to see. Um, yeah, well, it looks like, I mean, I don't know whether you've seen the next time trailer, but it certainly seems like we're going to be dealing with him next week. I have not. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, we've got that to look forward to. Maybe they'll get rid of him really quickly just to keep us on our toes. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they're, they're setting him up as a big bad. He's like, nope, sorry, dragons, boom, bam, done, yeah. bye. <laughs> it's a good name, though, Crab Feeder. Like, it's a great it's evocative name. And His um, actual name is something ridiculous, like it's Martin-y, Craig like, like Craig Craigard Dragos or Craig-a- something. Craig- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mentioned last week, yeah. But Crab Feeder is much better. But, yeah, yeah the the, um, the the scenes of them at the very start and at the very end of the episode – they had actual scenes of the sailors being, you know, torn apart and that kind Eaten of thing. Eaten alive. Eaten alive. They had like bits of a foot that were fleshy and then you saw the foot twitch and it was like, oh, no, he's still alive. <laughs> um, and that was really evocatively done, like beautifully shot and some lovely um, uh, some lovely uh, c- cinematography, I guess mm. I would say, although I imagine a lot of it's CGI, but it looks good. And then the final thing I will say is I've seen a bit of talk just doing the rounds about the wigs in this film. Oh, you see, I, ne- I never really noticed that sort of thing. Like, like I, yeah. I, I clocked that people are wearing wigs, but I'm, I'm very forgiving. I, 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 I'm a bit of an easy mark for this sort of stuff because I just sort of go with stuff. Yes, yes. Um, there are people who I feel really dig their heels in. They're like, oh, well, that's obviously a wig. It's like, yeah, it's all make-believe, yeah. guys. You, you have to... <laughs> I know everyone's threshold is is different, but, you know, you do have to sort of meet the show halfway, I think. Well, I was reading a post someone in my Facebook feed sort of retweeted by someone who's obviously like a costume designer or a historic costumer or something like that, saying that the, a lot of the shows that are being made now are really probably have budget restrictions when it comes to costume or time restrictions even more so. Yeah. And they use the example of the original Lord of the Rings trilogy and why that stands up so well is because of the years that that they spent building all of the costumes and all mm. of the, you know, all of the fabrics were hand, they were natural fabrics, hand dyed, hand sewn, like it was all done so perfectly to the point where, and I think this has been said, we've talked about this before, you know, Peter Jackson had, orcs that had individual you know types of armor and stuff like that stuff that you would never necessarily notice but uh, put together made it look really good and they were they were pointing out that the new lord of the rings series um doesn't seem to have that even though it's a massively expensive series Hmm. um their concern is that some of the costuming will look a bit dated very quickly because it's obviously not kind of done as extravagantly or you know to, as, as appropriately as it, as it could be for time reasons and then they also brought up uh, house of the dragon um with the wigs and saying that it's it's likely they're using synthetic wigs as opposed to real human hair wigs for for budget reasons but that they don't look um they, they will naturally look a bit uncanny valley because they're synthetic and they don't sit as as well um so yeah mm. i just it's, I, it's I, just that thing where i'm just like i don't really care like it's it's not a big thing for me and i understand it could be a big thing for other people if it takes them out of the of the scenes but like it's never done that for me really i i think it's just everyone's individual and there will be some things Mm. that are really um what's that word gaping uh glaring glaring glaringly kind of incongruous to some people that others will not notice like i always have this argument with dan from the smart enough to know better podcast um i don't seem to notice motion smoothing when it's on the tv do you? Oh, see, I, see, I do. Like, like that is that is something that I will notice because it makes for me it makes everything look like a home video. Yeah, and that will break the immersion because it, it you suddenly realize you're looking at actors on a stage. So I can't seem to work out 
like when that's on and not on. So I need to sit down and do some some mm. testing. But I think it's I think that similar thing with costumes and and stuff is that you'll some people will really pick up on stuff much more than others will. Um, so yeah, so if you have any, uh, this is not me criticizing. I they have so many blonde people in that show. There's no way they could have. I I, I totally understand them not using human hair wigs because. Human hair is expensive, and to get mm. it, to and especially estate, the, the particular color that they need. That's right, that and almost so white blonde. That that they would have been tens of thousands of dollars to to do Daenerys's wigs, um, because they're human hair too, so they don't last as long. So you have to sort of have multiples. Yes. Uh, so I, you know, I I totally get them using synthetic wigs, and I think it's just a case of it's you know it, it's fine for me. I get it. I understand that their wigs. I'll go with it, but I am interested in those people who, you know, if, if you're listening and you find something really glaringly, uh, you know, something that sort of hits you and every time you see it, you get taken out of it. I'd be really interested to know what people, mm. you know, what, what hits people different. Cause you I'm one thing that I noticed that this time in this episode specifically, and I don't think they were really doing this last time that they, they, it, the, the language that they were using felt a little bit heightened. Oh, did I? Did you read my recap where yes, I talked about I, it? Yes, I definitely did, and I, I, I had the same observation, which was that like there's a lot of like talking Everyone's about mine own, mine and, own, and and, and, and uh, soon or late, and, and you know like just vaguely archaic sounding phrasings. Yes, it was like someone went, let's let's throw a few Shakespeare things in here. Yeah, um, and I wonder if that's deliberate. I wonder if they're trying to sort of give the subtle impression because Game of Thrones, like, you know, people weren't using slang, but they also weren't speaking all, you know, high fantasy. They were using fairly modern English. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, especially the characters like Tyrion who were meant to be a bit more sort of audience perspective people that, yes. they, that were sort of talking in a very common sort of style. Um, and I wonder if they're deliberately trying to evoke the sense that this is sort of 200 years in the past. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's what they're doing. Um, because I didn't really notice it last uh, last episode, but, but certainly this episode, mostly because certain key phrases kept getting repeated. I'm like, that's weird. That, that's a, a strange way to phrase that. It was the um, mine yeah. own. I, I noticed that and I found the three examples. I, I think they were the, th the three. But it was like, you know, the old James Bond thing is once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, third time is enemy action. This yes. is someone's done this and it's not. it's gone through. Like script editors or whatever have not picked up and gone, does this sound a bit odd? Because it just, it to my ears it sounded, hey, everyone, we're oldie worldie. It's like an impro when we do yes. a yeah, yeah, yeah. when we do a Shakespearean scene, and people who maybe don't have that much experience with Shakespearean language will just say things like "marry an uncle." Um, yeah, well, not even that, but they'll say, you know, "thouest uh, robust." Yes. You know, you'll just kind of add flourishes to your yeah. language to make it sound a bit Shakespearean, and um, that it just felt like they were going, "My own father could." It sounded very formal for what were intimate. You know, call us yes. talking about like yeah. I know that I built the Valerian legacy off mine own back. It just, it just, you know, it hit, it hit a bit. Yeah, it, definitely. And it would, it would be okay if they were code switching um, between like formal settings and informal settings. But yeah, you're right. Like, like in very intimate settings, they're still using that very this, heightened language. That's right, and that that's what made me sort of think what's going on here? <laughs> it was enough to make me notice. So yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Cause I did, I did pop it in, in my recap going, what's, what's with this? So it's something I want to keep an eye on. So let's do that. 
Um, but Stu, I think we've probably been very thorough with this episode two oh, yes. of Hot D, <laughs> the hottest D in town. Uh, next week we will. I hadn't, I hadn't watched the preview video. I didn't realize one was out. Not that I'm against necessarily watching them. I'm, I'm, I'm keep myself sort of spoiler free. Uh, but that's more through laziness than design. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, more of Crab Feeder, hopefully, and fallout of the wedding of uh, Alison Hightower to Viserys. Yes, exactly. Well, there, there was a, a time jump between episode one and episode two, and I suspect there will be a bit of a time jump between uh, two and three. Yeah. Well, you know, who needs to see an actual wedding? You just cut to a baby being born. <laughs> Especially with the track record for this show of weddings. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Historically, not the most fun. Yeah, not great. <laughs> well, I mean, Joffrey's was pretty fun, let's be fair. That is. Um, it was very satisfying. Anyway. <laughs> uh, if you would like to discuss all things House of the Dragon with us, I am at Girl Clumsy. Stu is at Disco Stew on Twitter. We love chatting to people, so definitely reach out there. Uh, obviously, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. And most important of all is uh, my Patreon, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Not not my Patreon, but the people who are on Patreon. They are the most important of all. And thank you so much to uh, everybody who has, I've had a few people sign up, which has been lovely. Um, so yes, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. You can sign up there. Chuck me, you can control how much you want to subscribe for. And just to chuck a couple of bucks my way uh, for all of the stuff that, that, that we do here. So it helps support, um, you know, pays for web hosting podcast hosting equipment things like that and um yeah you're very and and you know time as well uh you're all incredibly supportive and i love you very much so thank you all and i guess stew we've got a new sign off which i've forgotten already oh no i remember i've just got to say the regular bit yes. okay so until next time as we always like to say Vala Mugulas. The dragons will dance. Woo! <laughs> Bye. Bye.